Welcome to What Has My Attention, and this is John Beethan. On the last episode, WISL, which stands for Women in Strong Leadership, and number 33, I had a conversation with Jamie Martin titled, How to Be a Strong Female Voice in a Room of Men. Today we continue the conversation with an associate of Jamie's, Kim Brown, the founder of TechIve, a nonprofit which supports women at every level of tech. So without delay, here is Jamie Martin and Kim Brown, brave and courageous at TechIve. Women know intrinsically that we're community builders. And when you talked about how the industry wants to make people feel like it's more like there's there's insiders and outsiders, right? That, oh, it's so simple, but it's more complicated than it ever was. What you're doing is creating an other. When I tell you it's simple and you're like, shit, this is really hard. What does that do? It makes you feel put out. You then feel like you must not be smart enough. You must not know what's going on because someone's telling you it's simple and you know it's really, really hard. This is what has my attention. Jamie and Kim, welcome to the show. So nice to have you both. Kim, very nice to meet you. We've had a few emails back and forth. And uh, why don't each of you just tell us a little bit about yourself because we'll direct people to your websites through the episode notes and people can find out more there. Sure, sure. So I'm Kim. Awesome to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, so I'm the founder of TechHive. TechHive helps women become technology leaders. So you don't have to be a technologist to be a technology leader, and we help elevate women uh, in the profession. That's great. Awesome. And I'm Jamie. Uh, I am a life and leadership coach who's really focused in on helping women, you know, not only stand out in their career, but really lead brilliantly with their career. All right. So I asked you both for a little bit of an agenda, what you want to talk about, because this is not about me. I am just really pleased to be able to present you both um, women in strong leadership so that your voices can be heard. So what's on top for you? What uh, Typically what I ask is what has your attention, but it may be a little <laughs> bit more than just what has your attention, but... Uh, yeah, so I think I'll I'll kick it off with that, um, and and then I think there's there's going to be some interest. And Jamie, you and I chatted about this to to give a little bit about why we came to be where we are, where we are. But what has our attention today? You know, we're coming on the tail end of the pandemic, and we're in what is going to be coined the Great Resignation, the Great Quit. Have you all heard of that? Yes. Yes. I, I haven't actually. What's the Great Quit? Yeah. Oh, or, everyone's going to quit their jobs. Oh, the, it's 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 that we want you back in the office, and everybody says take your job and shove it. A little bit of that, and I think it's also the reflection after the last year and a half to say, what am I doing? What mm -hmm. what in the world am I doing? Is this what I want to be? Is this is this my life? Um, and and exhaustion, and I think that specifically accounts for women. So women were the hardest hit by the pandemic. Women, um, especially women of color, not only lost their jobs, they've hit ceilings. We were the ones that had to typically juggle the childcare with our professions. So women were really hard hit, and I think we're all kind of exhausted from it. So when we think about the great resignation, the great quit, when it comes to TechHive, it's how do you make sure you're a technology leader and you're not getting left out as we live now more than ever in a very tech-first world? right? The pandemic brought about technology. We live in 
screens, right? And so every single business is now a technology business or is run primarily by technology, cybersecurity, data, you name it. How do we make sure women have a seat at the table, even if they're not doing the coding themselves? And that's going to help them jump ahead, keep their jobs and become tomorrow's leaders. Love it. Yeah. And I would say kind of going off of that, Kim, I don't know if you've heard of the she session where women have left the workforce already because of the pandemic in greater numbers than we've seen in a very long time. So what I would say is it's not only just supporting how do we keep women at the table, but also bringing them back. How do you support them in coming back? Well, that's a good question. How would you answer it? <laughs> Jamie, I'll let you. I'll, and, you know, Jamie does incredible work, but I, I would say, you know, we actually did a webinar with Jamie for Tech Hive. Yes, was it yesterday? It was yesterday. It was yesterday. And you actually gave some great advice, though, on how to help women feel like they're becoming empowered. Um, do you want to maybe give one of the tips that you shared and then I can jump in as well? Sure, I can do that. I'd love to know which one. Which one you stuck out for you? Um, but really, I would say one of the biggest tips that I have for for women, especially women who have left the workforce, is get in touch and reflect on your, on what's going on in your life. Right? What is it that you really want your life to look like? And understand what your goals are, not just what you think your goals are, but what are truly that deep in your core goal. Um, and know the difference between that goal and those that are like, ah, I can live live with it or not. You know, and it's interesting. We talk about something called the data narrative. It's essentially your mm -hmm. elevator pitch with through the lens of data and technology. So what makes you a technologist? What makes you a technology leader? Well, if you are a call center rep, you're actually getting a ton of data verbally. You're a sponge for data. And so how do you share your elevator pitch through that lens of technology and data as a call center professional? And so that's what we teach women how to do. And Jamie, to your point, your data narrative is so personal and it's what makes you different. It's the value add. It's the fact that you maybe are a working parent or you have a background in anthropology and sociology. And now we're having conversations around data and ethics and facial recognition. And how do you bring that skill to the table? Because you've actually studied sociology and you know the different faces of cultures. And so your data narrative is really how you bring your unique self to the table. And I think what Jamie talked about, tapping into what makes you unique and different, that's what makes women special and powerful mm -hmm. um, versus trying to conform to the idea of what a leader looks like or what a technology expert looks like. You know, Really, it's getting back to your core who are you? And that actually is going to make you unique and marketable and at the same time, help you feel fulfilled. Is it also um, just really clarifying your values and bringing them forward? That's it, it's value driven, correct? It's a bit of a, go ahead, Kim. No, go ahead. I think you're going to say what I'm going to I say. Was gonna, I was going to say it's a little bit value driven, but it's also not just about the values and about what is in your heart. So values are very broad stroke type things. And sometimes it's about what's actually a, a true deep desire that you have in how you want to show up in the world. And so they pair together and it's a little, um, 
I kind of want to use the word esoteric, but I don't know if that's actually the right word. <laughs> but it's it, a good it's word, a, actually. It, it's a great word, but you know, sometimes I can't always know whether or not I'm using the word the right way. Anyways, I digress. But it's it's values I think can get inflated really quickly and are hard for for people to be able to latch into how they apply. So for me, it's really looking at being able to say, what does your stomach do? Like, are you super excited about this? Or is this something that like, you just have this deep down desire that if you did not do this in your lifetime, that you would regret it to the end of your days? Yeah. And I think it also goes to, and I'm actually, I'm looking at some of our brainstorming notes here. Why is it hard for women to really step into these spaces and own it? And it's fear and it's having been put down before. But I think we also have ideas of what a, a leader looks like. We have these frameworks and these these pictures in our head of what good is and what great is. And typically that picture isn't us, even though it should be. So I'm really fascinated to watch women come into their own and realize that they have everything it takes to be successful and changing the picture of what a leader looks like. Like this, me, I'm a technology expert. I don't, you know, build data lakes. I have touched coding. I'm not a data scientist necessarily, but I'm a technology expert. And so what we say in TechEv is we're changing the face of technology leadership. Let's change what we imagine that to look like. And it starts with, to Jamie's point, what your deep desire is, and then believing that that you are the person that embodies it. I love that, Kim, because I, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about that the other, the other day and and John, a little bit of our, our other conversation about, you know, how did women mm. determine and get influenced as to what this picture was? And if you think about it, back in the 80s was really when women started truly getting into the workforce force in a strong way. And the picture that we were told was be like a man. You have to wear a suit. You have to present in a certain way. But that's because they didn't, you know, no one knew any better at that point in time. When you're breaking into a certain area, sometimes you go with the model that works. And at that time, the model that worked was the male version of the model. And now with what we're doing is we're saying, hey, it's okay to step back and and relook at things. Know that what we were modeling before didn't work because it wasn't authentic to who we are as as humans and, and women. And same with men, like men also veered the same way, right? They said, oh, I have to be a certain type of leader. Um, and so it's being able to step back and, and really redefine what is leadership to me? What does technologist mean to me? And owning that and being willing to be bold with your ideas and if they get shot down, they get shot down. Trust me, I had a lot of ideas get shot down in my career. Oh, well, I think I think I that, think they're brilliant, but you know, I think that goes along with being a leader. I mean, it's like you can tell from the books behind me, you know, that I follow the work of Brene Brown, and uh, you know, and one thing she says that's absolutely true is is that if you're a leader, you are gonna you you're gonna like come against a whole lot of opposition. And so the way she leads is with a soft front and a hard back. And my image for that, I actually mentioned it to somebody earlier today, is that of a turtle. A turtle has a soft front and a very hard back. So it's like 
leadership across the board, I think, is being completely reevaluated. Mm-hmm. And for men as well. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm at a little, quite a bit different position than most men, but it's just like I can't imagine that most men would feel relief about this, not having to uphold a certain image, a certain way of being. Like I said, I think it's being redone across the board, men, women, and industries in general, you know? You know, it's interesting. I think that being a man is difficult because you haven't had the same amount of self, um, self-affirmation work that women get, right? Take a men's magazine, take a women's magazine. Women's magazine, five ways to gain confidence, be better, work-life balance, blah, blah, blah. Men's magazine, fashion, weightlifting, right? Yeah. Dates, cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> so women are pros at community building, networking, self-improvement. Like we, we've nailed it because that's what our gender has been so heavily focused on. And now with men, it's it's scary to think work-life balance because so much of identity is built into career. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of work that needs to be done in that. The reason I bring this up is because we talk about allyship with men and women. I would actually change that and say it's being comrades. A comrade is someone that's with you. An ally is someone that supports you. A comrade is someone that walks with you. Mm-hmm. We're in this together. Mm-hmm. And, and and when we invite comrades to be a part of our journey, men know how to network because men have literally been in our modern day workforce longer than women. So mm-hmm. men can reach down and bring women into those meetings. Men get more at-bats. Men get more invites to lunches. Men get into closed room meetings more. Bring that woman along with you. Women know how to build community. Women know how to build yep. consensus. Women know how to be a modern day leader listen to us and as us bring you along with us as well. And so there's this really great camaraderie that we can build together. But the reality is men, white men hold power. And so the more that they can lean in and say, I want to learn from you, but I want to bring you along with me. That's what's going to drive a lot of success because what the future looks like is not what it's going to be today. And I'm a huge proponent of people quitting their jobs, getting rid of companies that don't align with their values because they don't have any right to succeed. If this company's not treating their employees well, aren't having diver- like truly diverse and inclusive leadership teams, they don't deserve to win. And I don't think that this whole nine to five makes sense anymore. That's for factory workers. If you're in a white collar job and you're not punching a clock, why in the world are you working nine to five? So I'm very much a big proponent of Let's disrupt the system. And if you're not going to be along for the ride, then you don't have the right to win. And I'm excited for men to have the courage to come along with women to discover what that looks like together. Yeah. Absolutely. And Kim, I'm, assu- I'm assuming you when you say the nine to five piece, you're, you're talking about seats at, or butts in the seat nine to five versus saying, hey, at pull 60 hours, 70 hour weeks. <laughs> Yeah, both. <laughs> just want to clarify <laughs> both. You know, I think butts and seats. If it, 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 let's focus on outcomes and really focus on outcomes. Yeah. And if you're a salaried employee and you can figure out how to do a 50-hour week in 10 hours, instead of making that person sit there and try to come up to more work, start having them talk to the other team and say, "How can how can you teach everyone else how to do this in 10 hours too?" Right. Um, and I and that scares people. Traditional leaders, leaders from a different generation, leaders from a different era, that terrifies them. Yeah. Well, the research is showing that people that are working, technology people that are working from home, 
or working less hours and getting more done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my and, husband's saying it in, in architecture. You know, he's, he's, I mean, you want to talk about a traditionalist industry mm-hmm. that is so behind the times traditionalist. Um, and he's, he's challenging the status quo. And I think that that's the other piece I would say that is important right now is we are in a place where employees have a lot more power than they ever did in history to disrupt things like Kim was saying and saying, wait a second, why is this value important? What about this is really necessary and challenging leadership as to why is it important for me to go into the office? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and especially leaders, I just wrote an article about innovation and collaboration around this, um, especially leaders who talk about innovation and collaboration. If they're coming into the conversation with rules as to how employees should be, I would challenge their definition of innovation and collaboration. Mm. Yeah. You know, and on top of that, I, I like to talk about labels and how we label label ourselves. And to your point, Jamie, you can say, well, I'm a leader and I'm an innovative, collaborative leader, but I'm going to do all these other things that don't make sense. But that's what tricks people into saying, well, that's what innovation is and that's what good leadership is and that's what collaboration is because they call themselves that. And so at TechHive, what we encourage women to do is own it. We're not necessarily teaching you how to do anything. You have everything it takes. You're doing it right now. You just don't have the label. You don't have the confidence and you're not calling yourself that. So if you work in government, you have a ton of open data sources to your disposal. You're doing incredible work with society. If you want to demand a change and you go in and say, I think we should do X, Y, and Z because I've seen this and I, and I recommend that, your idea might be shot down because they'll say, well, why? Well, I work in this space and this is my idea and I think it could help people. If you go into that room and say, because I'm a technology leader and this is what we need to do. Different. Because I'm a technology leader. Mm-hmm. According to whom? According to me and according to TechHive. And I always tell my members, if someone challenges you, I'll call, call me. Have them call me. Is, what, what are you, are you like? Are you like Vinny in Chicago? A little bit. Yeah, have them call me. Have yeah, them call me up. I'll tell you what a technology that. leader looks like. I've seen behind the curtain. I worked for big data companies and I've sat in executive suites. And, you know, there's no there's no wizard behind the curtain. And anyone who tells someone that they're not enough is is just straight lying. And so mm. what we tell our women members is you are a technology leader. And if you needed someone else to tell you that, I'm telling you that right now. And giving them the confidence to unpack the jargon, um, mm. talk the talk and, and walk the walk, and realize that they have a data and technology narrative that they're living every day and giving them the words to express it. You know, I think we always are telling women we need to learn more, we need to do more. Well, what if we turn that around and say, you're actually enough, we're good. <laughs> you know, we always say women are probably doing 110% of that job description. We're good. Now you just need to own it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so true, Kim. I mean, I think across the board, the number of women I talk to that it's about just standing in your ownership of who you are, what you know, and being willing to just put yourself out there. Once you can make that decision, the book flips on you. All of a sudden, people are asking your opinions and and or running from your opinions if you're me because you know I, I share them a little too much sometimes in the 
<laughs> conference room, but you know, it's all right. Um, but like, that's when you start to prove to yourself that what label you just gave yourself is true. And that's really that all that matters. You don't have to prove to anybody else. It's all about proving it to yourself and being able to say, I am a technologist. I am a leader. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I was going to, you know, I was going to say, um, generically, um, I think labels are for pickle jars. <laughs> okay. And, I, and people have heard me say that before. And I really do because, but in this particular case, I think it's important in terms of ownership, in terms of, you know, standing up for who you are. Yeah. You know, the way that our brain works is incredibly simple. I mean, we're, we're miraculous machines and, and don't get me wrong, but we're also incredibly simple machines. The brain itself is, is a finely wired filing cabinet and it loves labels mm -hmm. and you need to put the right label on yourself. Otherwise your brain will think that you're in the, a different folder. So if you put a label on yourself that you're just a manager, then you're just a manager. If you change that label, your brain starts to refile the way that it frames yourself, the way that it thinks about the world and the way that you present yourself to the world. And so when we talk about reframing exercises, Mm -hmm. Our brains are just giant filing cabinets. So sometimes you just got to change the label on the folder of self-identity for your brain to put you in the right spot. The best way to promote yourself is to actually give yourself the title first because you're already doing the job. Mm. So one little operative word there used there was just a manager. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing wrong with being a manager, but it's that just a manager. So that's like pulling back from... Uh, it's devaluating yourself mm -hmm. because exactly. like, I'm sure there's people in technology, women in technology, men, people in technology that work at that manager position, but doesn't, and it doesn't mean they're not leaders either. Oh, let's look at call center reps. Yeah. You know, the amount, if you could translate the amount of verbal data and insights, one call center rep gets in a, four hour sh shift before they get a break. It would change the amount of exponential data being produced probably tenfold, right? We get these statistics, right? The internet is creating, you know, I've got my like tablet right here, right? The internet is creating X amount of data every time someone does a search and blah, blah, blah. That's not accounting for phones mm. and then our speaking data. And that human being whose brain is taking it in and translating it. You want to talk about the most valuable source in your company, the best technology leader, the most innovative data centric individual on your team is probably the call center rep. Mm. Are they calling themselves that? That's the question, right? Are they elevating themselves? Are they getting the seat at the table? I would argue if they reposition themselves in the company, you bet that they'd all of a sudden start to get meeting invites and be asked their opinion more. And they should be at those meetings. A hundred percent. Because they're they're the front line. They're they're the people that are, you know, often taking the brunt. I'm sure. I am. You know, I've you know worked in tech a long time myself. So it's like when I have a tech problem and I have to call a service provider, I, I'm just aware that we're all playing the same game, and yeah. it's just we got to figure out how to solve this problem. I don't like go off on them. You know, you know, it's like I empower them to solve the problem by giving them as much information as possible. Right. Yep. Yeah. And a, a ton of patience, mm -hmm. a ton of patience. Yep. I actually sat next to our um, call center at a couple jobs ago, 
And the amount of patience some of these reps had to have, and you would, I mean, you would hear people screaming on the phone at them and you're just sitting there going, mm. wow, you're just taking that beating. But Kim, what's interesting is there's companies going out and actually trying to translate those calls and mm -hmm. using AI to, to, you know, build information. But what they're missing is that it's the human aspect. Yep. It's the interpretation piece. How do you actually bring that interpretation together that is so powerful with with call center reps? You know, they they are able to see the patterns, but also see what is behind the scenes. Because when we talk, there are certain things that we all pick up on that we don't realize we're picking up on tone, right. like how the behavior you I, I can hear things that right. most people when they're like, how did you know that that was what my body was doing? And I was like, well, it's in your tone. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's an emotional component is what you're talking about. There's an emotional component. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that those reps have it. And so it, at that company, we knew the value of them. So we did bring them to the table. And what we were able to do with it was so much more powerful by being able to say, hey, we're thinking about doing this, but is that going to really like mess up, mess, mess up our, our member base? And they would say, oh, yeah, that's going to destroy us. Mm -hmm. In fact, like, here's the things that you could change and it would be minor tweaks, but those minor tweaks were so critical for our members. Yeah. Well, and you made a point about the, the companies being created now, these, I'm going to put AI in, in air mm -hmm. quotes. I would argue that they're, and someone can look this up and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I have not seen a wave of call center reps saying on LinkedIn, I just got recruited to this amazing AI voice to text data recognition company, right? So we have all these great companies being created backed by VCs to revolutionize the industry, not taking into account at all the veterans of the industry. Yep. yep. And, and so one, those companies have no right to win. Two, how are those individuals in the call center positioning themselves to say, I have the right to be at that table. If I want to be a part of this, right? How do you reframe so you do get that invitation? It, mm -hmm. it does go a little bit both ways. Now, if you're a smart company, you're going to not wait for the person to reframe themselves. You're going to be smart enough to say, let's go find every call center rep we can and treat them well and bring them on board because they're going to help us turn this into something really powerful. But if you're a call center rep and you want to, you know, be, be just be seen for the role that you are, sometimes you got to use the jargon of the day. Yeah. Interesting. So I have a question for you. It just came up. Besides yourselves, who are the women in tech that you admire? Because I know you do admire yourself. Kim, I'll let you go first. Who are the women in tech that I admire? I mean, there was a, yeah. Yeah. So I think the, the first one I'm going to say is our board chair, Angela Reed. Hmm. Um, so she is the chair of our board. She is an incredible black woman who will always say, and I, I use the, um, her racial identity or her ethnic identity because it is such an incredible part of her culture, her background and her power, and also her story and how she found herself. And to be an assertive woman is tough. To be an assertive black woman is incredibly hard. And her story about how she came into her own and found her her data and technology narrative and owned you know her leadership skills and now she's the chair of 
tech hive. I mean, that's that's remarkable. We're a national organization with thousands of members. It's incredibly remarkable for an individual to do that of any background. Um, so Angie is the most patient, kind, assertive, and she can project manage a software upgrade. She can project manage uh, uh, Salesforce integration, and she can lead a national organization. Do you have her phone and, number? I can ring her up and bring her into the conversation. Yeah, she's amazing. Like. <laughs> she's amazing. She, and she's good at it. What is classic me is I'd be like, yeah, Let's call her up. Let's call Angie. Um, but she is an incredible woman and the, the, the epitome of a multifaceted technology leader that I just mm -hmm. admire so greatly for her, her spirit, her charisma, and her multidimensionalness. And it sounds like a whole lot of courage. Yeah, it's hard to, it's, um, yeah. there's a book out there called, uh, Oh shoot! It's by Mike Dooley. I want to say, but the whole idea oh, is that Mike we're Mike Dooley. I know Mike Dooley. You know Mike Dooley. Do you remember the book something about Earth? I don't remember the book. No. So but. the whole theme is that we're actually like superpowers, superhuman spirits, and we're just bored in our our, our world of eternity, yep. and so we come here, right? Yeah. And if you think about what scares you the most, it's probably not that you're going to fail. It's probably that you might succeed. Exactly. 100%. And so I, to your point, John, about the courage, the courage to let yourself succeed, the courage for Angie to say, yes, I actually am this badass is awesome. Yeah. And we're going to make mistakes along the way. And, and, and the people that we work with are go, yep, you made a mistake. Let's, let's see what we can do to next time, make sure it doesn't happen or, and do you have any ideas about that? Cause you were the one that made the mistake. So you probably know. So right. it's that kind of collaboration and stuff that I'm just like totally up for instead of pointing fingers. Oh my goodness. I, I love the, it's the, it's the Toyota way. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it is. <laughs> it you is. have to explain that. Way. So Toyota was the, the first company to really bring about the idea in manufacturing of bringing everybody to the problem. So they would stop the whole entire manufacturing if a problem occurred. It wasn't about pointing blame. It was about getting enough people to the table to figure out what went wrong and how to improve it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's such a great way of moving forward because we all make mistakes. And the more we spend time pointing blame or even blaming ourselves for it, the actually further back we get. And by bringing enough of everybody together, because it was never about titles, they brought mm. everybody on the floor together and started figuring out what went wrong. Um, that's when you get the brilliant ideas, right? And, and in fact, when kind of going back to the innovation side of things, it's amazing what you can innovate when you start to think about what the problem is, right? We think yeah. oftentimes when we hear of leadership or innovation, it's such a big idea. Um, and that's where, where it would be great to have, you know, women and everybody else who just calls themselves a manager or a technologist step in and say, wait a second, I have brilliant ideas because if you find the one little problem, that one little problem is innovative if you can solve it. If you can fix it for 
your customer, your member, whoever it is, that will be an innovative change. And that's really what innovation is. Yeah, you know, that reminds me, when we decided on the name Tech Hive, we're inspired by beehives and the bee colony. And the queen bee, obviously, is the leader. But to your point, Jamie, it's not just about one. It's identifying a problem and then coming together as the hive, as the swarm to solve it. So whether you're the worker bee, the pollinator bee, the queen bee, the, you know, there's actually like a drone bee, you know, there's all the the different bees. Um, And I only know this because I looked up and I was like, well, I mean, if we're going to use this theme, I should know a little bit more about beehives. But they come together. I mean, it's like an ant colony, right? The amount of collaboration and coordination to identify the problem and solve it as a unit, as a group to keep the hive healthy and functional is a remarkable form of nature. And as humans, we can sometimes stop overthinking it and do what comes naturally in nature, which is let's get together, let's fix this problem. I actually have two people. Um, one is an old coworker. Well, both of them are old coworkers of mine who I absolutely adore. Um, one is Mugda Sharon. And what I love about Mugda is that no matter what, she fights the good fight. Like if she's got an idea and she knows it can win, she is just going to drive it home and she's going to keep driving it home and keep driving it home. And and it's brilliant because the way she does it is she brings people along with her. Awesome. Right. And I love that. She's, she rallies the troops, she inspires and she gets people excited about it. And, and oftentimes I'm looking, I was looking at her going, how can you get excited about this? (laughs) <laughs> but that's how how much excitement she would bring to the table because she had such passion for it. I did not have passion for it at that point in time. That was not my my world. My other person that I look up to is Nisha Kumar. And what I loved about Nisha is that she really had such a great way of letting things roll off her shoulders. Oh, that really sucked. But all right, let's move forward. You know, she didn't. She was actually kind of, um, I mean, she's a good friend of mine, but during our time working together, she was the person I would go to all the time to be like, help me let go of this. Help me mm-hmm. let it go. And she was so brilliant at it. It was such a great way to showcase how to move forward when stuff went wrong, because things go wrong all the time. There's politics everywhere you are. And that's what really was such a big thing for me, um, especially being in a tech company where things are moving so quickly that you, if you don't let go, you're going to drown. Yeah. You have to learn to flow. Would you say? Oh, completely. Well, it's like, as I'm, I'm building my team for imagine podcast and there's, yeah. So it's like, okay, how do we get on the same page? You know, how do we make sure that everything flows really, really well? And, you know, there's times we have rough spots, but it's just like, okay, great. That didn't work. Um, What are we going to do to improve it? So it's a little bit of, all right, what systems can we use or what systems can we develop, you know? And you have to take everybody's input into consideration because people think differently. You know, I'm a, you know, I've gone through NLP and I clearly understand that some people are highly visual like I am. Some people really are auditory and they're going to be listening to this podcast and just like absorbing and eating and eating every word that comes out of it. And then, you know, there are other people that just really need to just feel into it for a while. 
everybody's got a different way of processing information. And honestly, I don't find very many good software packages that actually incorporate kind of that idea that, um, you know, that the, the interface is actually congruent with the way humans actually work and, and that sort of thing. In other words, some, as you know, some things are like highly visual and they miss a whole lot of other things, but anyway. Talking about I digress, good Lord. Yeah, I mean, you could get me on a soapbox on that topic. What's that? You could get me on a soapbox on that topic. All right, episode coming up. <laughs> but, but to your point, you know, when we think about how, how little time has passed in this, and that's the other thing that I think is important for people to take away. How old are the industry veterans? Exactly. You know, like I'm an industry veteran. I'll tell you, I'm under the age of 50 and I got in before YouTube was acquired by Google. Yep. And that makes me sound old, but it's just like, it wasn't that long ago. You know, my husband deployed to Iraq and then he came back and it was the iPhone too. He deployed, there was no iPhone. Wow. He came back, it was the iPhone too. And everyone was like, what are you doing with the internet on your phone? He's like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do with the internet on my phone, but I, I think we're going to need it. And here we are. So I think when people when when people feel intimidated by the industry, it's not that old. So no, just jump isn't. in because there's no rules. We recreate the rules every day. And if it was perfect, we wouldn't be sitting here with all these problems. No, I consider <laughs> I yeah, I consider the whole thing to be at its very infancy. Total really, infancy. No, no, it's like, you know, it's just it's really you know, the thing that bothers me, maybe you could address is that uh you know, marketing people and technology want everybody to believe that things are getting simpler and they're not. They've gotten mm -hmm. more complex. And in fact, in my life, I don't I think this was in the 70s and 80s. The promise of technology said we'd all be working less. And that's not true. It you know, we're actually working more or, you know, people are. So yep. there's been a whole lot of. Um, I don't know if it's hallucination or what about the industry in general, but it's. You know, there's a there's a saying about zero sum games, right? I have to mm -hmm. win for you to lose. You have to lose for me to win, and that's where we get a lot of these sports analogies, right? Baseball. Well, one there's a winner and a loser in baseball, but the reality is, power and money are infinite, and it's not a zero sum game. So and, you, I, I hate to interrupt you, but you know mm -hmm. Simon Sinek's work. Mm -hmm. There's a book called The Infinite Game. It talks exactly about that. Yeah, see, you know, so Simon baseball has winners and losers. <laughs> What's that? He just branded it better than me. Well, no, 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 I'm sorry. But, you know, no, it's just, no, I mean, he has a, it's true. he has a fabulous story about um, uh, being at a Microsoft conference and actually speaking. And uh, there was Apple people there and Windows people there. And uh, he actually took a cab back to the hotel with uh, one of the VPs from um, Apple. And uh, Windows or Microsoft had just given him the Zoom, given Simon Sinek the Zoom, and he loved it. And he was sitting in the in the back of the car with this VP from Apple, and he just looked at the VP and and he said, "This device is fabulous." And the guy said, "I have no doubt." Hmm. And Apple's vision was always an infinite game. Mm -hmm. They're in the game not to win or to lose, but to keep the game going right and i think i'm gonna i'm gonna add to that and yeah. i think this is a very this is where we get into to some gender roles so when we think about sex 
all right? And sex analogies, baseball. Baseball's got winners and losers. Well, that's not how sex is. Sex is like ordering a pizza, what? right? Oh, do explain. Ordering a pizza. Well, if you think about sex and bases, right? They still have a winner and a loser. There's, there's opposing teams. But really what it is is sharing a meal together with a variety of different toppings that might change mm-hmm. every time you order it. And it's, it's, it's an experience, right? It's not competition. It's not me against you. It's not strikes and outs and points. It's what kind of pizza do you want tonight? <laughs> right? And so when we have a culture, though, that, and, and a business structure and a technology structure that's dominated by traditional sports analogies, you get these, these ideas that it is a zero-sum game. Mm-hmm. That that someone's got to lose for me to win, and this goes back to your point, John. One, I will always I love bringing up sex about anything. So, um, as a feminist, I just want to sprinkle that into your podcast. But also, there's a point thank, to thank it. Thank you. You're actually. welcome. Uh, women know intrinsically that we're community builders, and when you talked about how the industry wants to make people feel like it's more like there's there's insiders and outsiders right? That, oh, it's so simple, but it's more complicated than it ever was. What you're doing is creating an other. Mm -hmm. When I tell you it's simple and you're like, shit, this is really hard. What does that do? It makes you feel put out. Mm -hmm. You then feel like you must not be smart enough. You must not know what's going on because someone's telling you it's simple and you know it's really, really hard. Actually, what I think is that whoever's telling me this stuff is really stupid. Yeah. (laughs) To believe that it's simple. Right. But for the majority of the population, and especially as we talk about empowering women, they they fall into that trap. They think, well, maybe it's me. Maybe I don't Mm -hmm. get it. Mm -hmm. And so the game, the game is that that's that that to your point, it's an infinite game. The game is that it's a game Mm -hmm. and and that it actually people are overcomplicating it on purpose to make you feel like you're put out. And Mm -hmm. once you figure that out, you can join the game whenever you want. And there is no winners and losers. It's just mm-hmm. get in there and let's have some fun together. Short story. Now go ahead, Jamie. I was going to say, Kim, I, I love this part of the conversation because even when you take it to the further, this is where women can really come to the table and make um, companies rethink how we actually consider competition. Because every time I've sat at the table and talked about competition, I've always sat there and said, we're competing against ourselves and our future. Like our future five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, we're not competing against whoever you just named as our quote unquote competitor. And when you think about the companies that are super innovative, they're looking at ahead 30 to 50 years from now. That's what they're pushing for and not competing against Joe Schmo down the street. Right. And so when women are actually building the community, that's how we're thinking. We're thinking from a community perspective. We're not thinking from a competition one against each other side of things. So it's it's such a great parallel for for the male comrades that are listening to really think about how to, you know, lean into that with women and say, wait a second, how do we step forward? Yeah. I I wanted to also say that. uh, I've had some clients that are older than me and they struggle with technology and we have a conversation and I I tell them, you need to understand something is that I was a musician. I studied music, classical guitar, harpsichord, pretty seriously, da, 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 da. 
And if I never got involved in technology, my life would be just fine. And it's really true. I mean, I, I, you know, people, older people struggle with their phones and stuff like that. And it's just like, it's kind of a, you know, it's like, just let, let all that bad feeling about it go. It's right. such an imperfect, imperfect uh, platform or technology or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it really is. Like we said earlier, it it's, it, it's infancy. And, and people at companies are making it really complex. You know, when you, and I also would say, well, let's, technology with a lowercase t, right? Because I yeah. was listening to NPR this morning and you know, there's all the wild wildfires going on on the West coast. Yeah. Right. There's, there's some now that are incredibly close to where they were just ravaged a couple of years ago. And so now they have groups that are using the old ham radios. Oh yeah. I because used to have that won't radio. go out. The internet, right. if you have a fire, internet's gone, phone's gone, electricity's gone. Ham radio will work. Yep. So what happened with a lot of these fires is the infrastructure to alert people was wiped out before the fire got to them because the fire destroyed it. And if they had more ham radio systems, which I would argue is a more traditional technology, mm-hmm. people would have gotten notified and could have potentially gotten out or more people would have gotten out. I'm going to write yeah. down, get a ham, ham radio. radio. Ian, all the hobbyists are now the volunteers that practice every day. So what a cool way to say, to your point, you know, just because you're not tapped into or feeling comfortable with today's modern technology doesn't mean that you're not a technologist or a technology leader. You might just use something a little bit different. A ham radio is, what a beautiful piece of technology. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. We're getting close to... You, you, you know, you guys, you know, have a hard stop, essentially. And uh, how you do you want to we, we have kids ready to knock on knock, knock down the doors. Yeah. And it's uh, it's and if they did, that'd... It's, it's it's actually, you know, the saying that's five o'clock somewhere. It's almost five o'clock where Jamie and I are. It's almost yeah. cocktail hour. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not waiting for five o'clock around here. <laughs> I'm not. I, I try to be done by three o'clock on Fridays. But I wanted to ask you how you'd like to wrap it up. Uh, I want to make sure that you each let people know how to get in touch with you the best way. And then I have an idea we'll discuss at the end, but go ahead. And uh, how do you want to wrap this up? Sure. Well, Jamie, do you, um, do, I think you and I can just share how people can get a hold of us. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. All Why right. You go first. All right. Well, I'm Kim. You can go to techhive.club, T-E-C-H-I-V-E dot club and become a member. We've got free events that are posted online, including Jamie's from yesterday. And then when you become a member, you get access to a ton of deeper content. Think of it as our version of a masterclass behind the doors. Um, we're actually rolling out our technology leader certification as well. So that's coming up. Um, think of it as a cross between a technology certification and a mini MBA. So that'll be launched in September for members. So definitely check us out. Use the code um, taste of tech hive. If you want to get a month for free and I am just honored to be here and hope you all enjoy the conversation. Jamie, how about you? Awesome. Thank you, Kim. Um, you can all get a hold of me at jamie martin coaching.com. 
And as well as if you have any questions about TechHive, I am also on the board of TechHive. Well, I will be shortly. So if you have questions, go ahead, find me on jamiemartincoaching.com and send me an email. I'd be happy to talk to you a little bit more about that as well as any, any need you have for leadership um, and stepping into your technology. And we're talking, this is for women, is that right? TechHive is for both women and men. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I could find a woman that was an audio engineer because I'm looking for another one. Oh, fabulous. We will definitely put a call out to our membership base and put you in touch with them. Yeah, and other people too. Mm -hmm. So here was my idea. I invite you both back with one, two, three, or whatever people. We can have up to 10 people here, and but it'll be up to you to kind of design it the way you want, seriously. So, you know, it's like, I'm gonna actually be presenting this particular episode to the Carlsbad Chamber of Commerce because I'm the, the chair of the technology committee and um, thinking about uh, actually having you guys come in remote and do a presentation. But my point is, if you'd like to do this again, if there's some other topics or whatever that you want to talk about and bring some other people in, then I'm more than more than happy to help make that happen to to elevate women's voices to be heard. Sounds um, great. I, I'm gold. sure Kim and I can come up with a thousand ideas. Yeah, yeah you both sound like <laughs> troublemakers, actually. Yeah, we'll bring them in. All right. Yeah. So I just want to let everybody know, follow us on uh, whathasmyattention.com and you can actually leave us an audio message from the website. There's a little blue button down on the bottom right and you can click on it and, and uh, leave us an audio message and we'll build it into the next episode. And uh, you can always catch this anywhere you get your audio. We used to say subscribe, we don't anymore, but literally you can get this podcast anywhere you get your audio. That sounds like a tech thing, huh? does <laughs> a little bit and yeah. your ham radio ham radio boy it'd be fun to have somebody on talking about that so all right kim and jamie thank you very much for being here really appreciate it thank thanks you. for having us yep i will see you next time <laughs>